So the Democratic debates, really? Is that appropriate material for a reading during a worship service? Isn't that jeopardizing our tax-exempt status with the IRS? Let me explain. In using that material, I am decidedly not urging you to support any particular candidate or even any particular political party. But I did find these debates helpful in that they provided current examples of something you hear quite often from politicians. You may have picked up on the refrain that ran through all of the excerpts. Asked about a particular policy or stance on an issue, the individual candidate would say something like, this is personal, and proceed to give an example from their own experience that related to that issue or policy. That's an effective way of opening up a policy debate to consider the real-world ramifications on individuals. I get that. Sometimes it will be phrased like this. This is not about politics. This is personal. Or as Cory Booker said, this is not about policy. It is personal. And that feels to me like a false dichotomy. Personal or political. I don't think it's an either-or proposition. It is both and. Now, I understand that sometimes people may be actively trying to draw a distinction between personal beliefs they hold and what they would recommend as policy for a community or state or nation. But none of these candidates were doing that. Rather, they were sharing their personal experience to offer some insight into what helped to shape their commitments to particular policy initiatives or political stands. Such statements are so often framed as, this is not just politics, this really matters. When actually, I think what is meant is, this is why politics really matters. This is how political decisions affect personal lives. This is how personal experience will shape my political decisions. I applaud any indication by those who are in positions of power that they are personally affected by the decisions they will be called upon to make. Jared Diamond, American geographer, historian, and author, wrote a book entitled Collapse, How Societies Choose to Fail or Succeed. Among his many explorations, he set out to answer a question that I'm guessing has come to each of our minds at one time or another and most likely returns to our minds on a regular basis. Why is it that people in power do not work to solve the problems that are so evident to all the rest of us? He attributes that to, quote, insulation of the decision-making elite from the consequences of their actions. That is to say, in societies where the elites do not suffer from the consequences of their decisions but can insulate themselves, the elite are more likely to pursue their short-term interests, even though that may be bad for the long-term interests of the society, including the children of the elite themselves. You will notice that some of the personal stories shared in the debate excerpts 
were also stories of privileged insulation. Then when my son came home from Iraq after a year and was diagnosed with terminal cancer, he was given months to live, Joe Biden said. I can't fathom what would have happened if, in fact, they said, by the way, the last six months of your life, you're on your own. We're cutting you off. You've used up your time. Pete Buttigieg said, I started out this year dealing with the terminal illness of my father. I make decisions for a living. Nothing could have prepared me for the kind of decisions our family faced. But the thing we had going for us was that we never had to make those decisions based on whether it was going to bankrupt our family because of Medicare. Both in reflecting on their own experiences and recognizing their insulation from what was broken, took that empathetic leap to ask, how would it feel if I was in a different situation? How would it feel if I was not protected as so many are not? This political matter may not directly affect me, but it is affecting many people in ways that I can only imagine. It is personal to them. The political is personal to someone. And to the extent that we have allowed national politics to become simply the tawdry spectacle of elected, insulated elites fighting over the corrupting crumbs of corporate contributions, directing all their energy toward re-election, unable or unwilling to chew on possible solutions to hard questions, and opting instead to spew pre-chewed sound bites. That is the extent to which we, the people, need to reclaim politics, not to dismiss it, discard it, or devalue it. This is personal. It is not political or personal, personal or political. It is both and political, <laughs> personal. I don't know what. Political decisions have personal consequences. Personal experiences inspire political action. To the extent that we allow political decisions to become disconnected from the ramifications on people's lives, to the extent that we regard personal experience as irrelevant to political matters, we are fated as a nation, as a civilization, to act irresponsibly, causing pain and wreaking destruction and, in Jared Diamond's view, inviting the collapse of this society. I recall a story from last June where a CNN reporter asked customers at Nana D's Diner in Mesa, Arizona, how they felt about family separations at the U.S.-Mexico border. A woman named Madeline Carroll replied, I think people need to stop constantly bringing up the poor children, the poor children. The parents are the problems. They're the ones coming in illegally. Quit trying to make us feel teary-eyed for the children. And here we are, more than a year later, and things have only grown worse 
for the poor children and for more poor children and for the families and for all those who love them and for all those who care about other people. And I understand Madeline Carroll's feeling of being overwhelmed and the desire to just turn away and the temptation to simply avoid being witness to the pain, to insulate and isolate myself by turning my head or shutting my eyes. But then I remember James Baldwin's words, hear him or me or us saying his words the sea rises the light fails lovers cling to each other and children cling to us the moment we cease to hold each other the moment we break faith with one another the sea engulfs us and the light goes out the moment we cease to hold each other the moment we break faith with one another The moment we seek to isolate or insulate ourselves from the political decisions, we either support or apathetically or cynically allow, the light goes out. And one of the ways we hold each other, one of the ways we keep faith with one another is through politics, through political action, through the decisions that are made about how this nation is governed and how we hold ourselves responsible and accountable to one another. This is not just politics. This is personal. The political is personal. If policymaking is out of touch with people's lives, then it is a perversion of what politics should be, not a new definition of politics. And when I say the political is personal, I don't mean that it's all about me and how things will affect me. Rather, it calls me to make that empathetic leap to ask, how does this policy or political action that seems beneficial to me affect the lives of others, especially those who are least like me? It calls for me to listen to those voices, to realize the unique stories of each individual, to walk a mile as the saying and the piece that the choir sang earlier this year, to walk a mile in my neighbor's shoes. And it calls me to ask, as the lawyer asked Jesus in the gospel according to Luke, who is my neighbor? Shortly after the terrible events of September 11th, 2001, the New York Times began publishing portraits of grief. These were brief biographical snapshots of the individuals who died at the World Trade Center. American historian and writer Howard Zinn wrote in the January 24th, 2002 issue of The Nation, I was deeply moved reading those intimate sketches. A poet of Bensonhurst, a friend, a sister, someone to lean on, laughter, win or lose. Looking at those titles, I thought, those who celebrated the grisly deaths of the people in the Twin Towers and the Pentagon as a blow to symbols of American dominance in the world What if, instead of symbols, they could see up close the faces of those who lost their lives? I wonder if they would have second thoughts, second feelings. Then it occurred to me, he continued, making that empathetic leap. 
What if all those Americans who declare their support for Bush's war on terrorism could see, instead of those elusive symbols, Osama bin Laden, Al-Qaeda, could see the real human beings who have died under our bombs? I do believe they would have second thoughts. And he, with far fewer available details, researching in dozens of publications to get beyond the official Pentagon denials of civilian casualties and to pull back the shroud of limited collateral damage, proceeds to tell what he can about lives lost and lives irreparably damaged. From a hospital in Jalalabad, Afghanistan, in one bed lay Noor Muhammad, 10, years old, who was a bundle of bandages. He lost his eyes and hands to the bomb that hit his house after Sunday dinner. Hospital director Galoya Shimwari shook his head at the boy's wounds. The United States must be thinking he is Osama, Shimwari said. If he is not Osama, then why would they do this? From Ghazni, Afghanistan, each ward of the Ghazni hospital features a new calamity. In the first, two 14-year-old boys had lost parts of their hands when they picked up landmines. I was playing with a toy and and it exploded, said one of them, Muhammad Allah. A woman named Rose lay on a bed in the corner of the room, grunting with each breath. Early on Sunday morning, shrapnel from an American bomb tore through the woman's abdomen, broke her four-year-old son's leg, and ripped into her six-year-old daughter's head, doctors here said. From Madhu, Afghanistan, American soldiers came after the bombing and asked if any Al-Qaeda had lived here, said villager Para Ghul. Is that an Al-Qaeda? Ghul asked, pointing to a child's severed foot he had excavated minutes earlier from a smashed house. Tell me, he said, his voice choking with fury, is that what an Al-Qaeda looks like? Why do I share these? Just to elicit outrage, to tear at heartstrings? Zinn writes, My intention is not at all to diminish our compassion for the victims of the terrorism of September 11th, but to enlarge that compassion to include the victims of all terrorism in any place at any time, whether perpetrated by Middle East fanatics or American politicians for other hearts and other lands are beating with hopes and dreams as true and high as mine surely it is time says Zen half a century after Hiroshima to embrace a universal morality to think of all children everywhere as our own Lovers cling to each other and children cling to us. Generations do not cease to be born, writes James Baldwin, and we are responsible to them because we are the only witnesses they have. 
And lest you think this example is hopelessly out of date by United States standards being nearly 20 years ago, let me share some underreported statistics that will bring us up to date. The Pentagon's numbers show that the Bush administration authorized the military to drop 70,000 bombs, an average of 24 per day over eight years. The Obama administration, 100,000 bombs, an average of 34 bombs dropped per day over eight years. The Trump administration dropped 44,096 bombs during his first year in office, an average of 121 bombs dropped per day, or a bomb every 12 minutes. Every 12 minutes. The Pentagon reports that we are running out of bombs. Do we know where those bombs are falling? Who they are killing? During the Obama administration, it was reported that those on the kill list targeted for death by drone accounted for 2% of the deaths caused by drone strikes. 2%. I'm guessing that figure has not changed dramatically. Who are the persons whose lives are torn apart by these bombs? May we responsibly bear witness to their stories. May we find ways against the odds to hold one another and keep faith and share the light of love. May we continue to conscientiously and courageously make that empathetic leap that allows us to understand that yes, 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 this is personal. 